Hi, this is John Waters, and you're listening to Two True Freaks. Keep on listening, or I'll have you killed. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The following program is made possible with the assistance of a grant from SNH Green Stamps. Buff Bourguignon, French beef stew in red wine. We're going to serve it with braised onions and mushrooms and a wine dark sauce. It's a perfectly delicious dish. Oh. Uh-huh. So we could put in a little more tomato paste or a little more thyme. In this case, we're fortunately find it's just right. Now for the thickening of it. Now we want to get our pan hot and we're going to saute it in this first until it's browned and then we're going to put it in this pot in which we're going to cook it in the oven. Now this is going to go in a 325 oven and it should cook very, very slowly just at the bare simmer. And once it's in, except for checking the oven to make sure that it isn't bubbling and boiling. You don't have to look at it anymore. Then all let the sauce drain out. And then we simply put the stew back into the casserole. There. You want the flavor of the onions and the beef to all blend themselves with the stew. That's going a little too hard, so I'll put it inside. There. About two or three minutes, if you have it in the ice box, you heat it up very slowly and baste the meat with the sauce. And then, and then you cover it and, and simmer it very slowly for about two or three minutes until everything is tender and hot through. Well, now this is ready to serve. Right now. Hello, this is Corey Jean, and you're listening to Eat It and Beat It on the Two True Freaks Network. And just remember, do whatever comes first. Hello, and welcome to Eat It and Beat It, the food and porn podcast. I'm Eddie Gourmet, and I'm here with... Wywin B. Atkin. Howdy. And uh, we will be your hosts for this show. We will be your hosts for the first half of the show. Then the second half of the show will be the porn section of the show. Um, I imagine the first question that anybody would have <laughs> coming <laughs> coming into the show is why a podcast with food and porn? And, and I say, why not? Why, why wouldn't there why be? Not? Now, the, the, the origin of this is uh, myself and, and Wywin have have been, we've been partying a little bit in the, the past year or so, over the last year year or so, and uh, we were we were hanging out this summer with a whole bunch of nerds, and we were, what what were we cooking this time? Was this the ribs or the? Yeah, it, it was the, it was the rib fest, and we brought, we brought you in, 
and you did a great job on the ribs and and the sauce and we were just we were just brisket, talking about oh jeez that brisket you cooked the brisket oh. yeah i forgot about the brisket the brisket i didn't forget about that brisket let me tell you <laughs> well man we we just got to talking about things that that i guess i want to say guys but not necessarily guys but people love and i food and of course porn i mean not maybe not just porn but sex or maybe erotica or whatever you want to call it both things are intertwined and connected believe it or not as as closely as anything can be i mean it just seemed like a natural transition and that's where the idea for this show came about I mean, we could have been like a food and sex podcast or something, or just generally on sex. But then it turned. Then it's more like something like Doctor Ruth or something. Or exactly, I, I like the focus on porn and and food because both of them. Let's face it: if you were like dating food or porn, and you were on Facebook and it and you know you were picking single in a relationship, you would pick it's complicated. I think everybody yeah. has a really complicated relationship with both of those things. Exactly. It is the your chocolate in my peanut butter of topics that go great together, but you wouldn't think that they, they go great together. Well, they were going great together that day. They were. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about food good. and porn, and we're like, this is... And it was one of those shoot-the-shit type of things where I don't think either of us were seriously thinking... Well, I was. <laughs> about 10 <laughs> seconds after we thought about it, I was like, hey, you know, that could me, be the greatest podcast ever made. It, it just needs to be made. It, it's time has come. They're both guilty pleasures the way I see it. I mean, how many times have I gotten up and and eaten something and said, man, I really shouldn't be sucking the raspberry filling out of this jelly donut and filling it up with ice cream and eating it and then all of a sudden clicking on that wow website you really did that <laughs> didn't you yeah i did you know i it's it's, it's you know that sounds amazing the, 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 oh well you should try it sounds obscene is what it sounds dipping a nacho a nacho cheese dorito into a jar of jiff chunky peanut butter i mean you can't be seen doing this. We have a stigma that says, I can't be seen. That's a war crime. I, yeah, I can't be seen dipping my corn chip into uh, peanut butter. It just can't. And I can't be seen, you know, looking at this, <laughs> Googling this. I, I, it, they're guilty pleasures, you know. It's something, something that we want to bring out and that you shouldn't be ashamed to – to look at uh, to look at that taint, and to eat damn corn chips and peanut butter. No guilt involved. That's where we come in. <laughs> That's where we we, we we will be your enablers. We are. <laughs> we, we will are. be your you food can, and porn enablers. <laughs> absolutely. You know, you can you can put those earphones in. You can listen, and you can get. Guilty pleasure, just like I'm sure that that first caveman did as he was eating that, you know, pterodactyl leg and drawing a picture of some boobs on the cave wall, you know? <laughs> you know what happened. You know it happened. I mean, somewhere in some deepest cave in France, there's a picture 
of some chick spread eagle. And you know the guy must have been, you know, eating something and saying, you know what would be good with this? Yeah, well, he was sitting there with his belly full and like, you know what? Time yeah. to make babies. Yeah, time to make babies. Let me let me, uh, let me draw this on the wall here, you know? It all goes hand in hand, you know? It really does. Well, what our plan for this show is, is, is it's going to be very simple. We'll have two topics, a food topic and a porn topic. And... We will try, maybe not they maybe not always, but we will try as much as we can to to have some sort of <laughs> tentative connection between the two. Um, All things are connected. Mm-hmm. This this week we're um we're we're keeping it real simple. We're gonna go we're, we're gonna we're gonna give our origin stories about why why we will why we are so into food because I've noticed uh, in podcasting and and. And, you know, I'm usually podcasting about Star Wars or comic books or something like that. But sometimes during the actual podcast or in the lead up to a podcast or after a podcast, and you you have five guys on there, almost invariably the topic goes to food. You know, somebody is just eating something somewhere or is eating something while we're talking. It's like, oh, I got this. And then it it just goes on. And I noticed the the zeal (laughs) with which everybody... You know, maybe it's just the people I know, but <laughs> there, there's just, uh, um, yeah, it's it's a topic people love. So, so this week, um, we are going to uh, give our give our origin stories, and um, I have a feeling your origin story is a little more. Uh, I, it's it, it starts younger than mine. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go first, and no, uh, you'd and be tell surprised. I was not always into into cooking, and I've always been into eating. But I I've never I only rec- I only started to get into cooking probably within the last twenty years. My mother was is a fantastic cook, but she never let me in the kitchen because I'd make a fucking mess. It was it was just it was just a disaster. She never let me in the kitchen, and when I finally left home, I I started to. To experiment in cooking and every aspect of it. I mean, I would love to just go and get a book on food history. It started, you can pick up a book on the history of the cultivation of apples. And to me, it's fascinating. Every aspect Mm -hmm. of the history of food is fascinating. You can pick any topic or any dish and you can trace it down to its origin stories and and I became obsessed. I have a whole wall full of books on the history of chocolate, the history of vanilla, of all things, uh, the history of of spices, the spice trade. I mean, food drove the explorers. Food drove the, new, the discovery of the new world. I mean, a lot of it was for gold, but a lot of it was for spices because, frankly, food was boring until gold is until, nice, but gold doesn't yeah. do you any good without food. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, spice was worth its weight mm-hmm. in gold, and food and the consumption of it is is the most fascinating thing. I mean, to me, I started to cook, and when I and when I do cook, I like to I like to entertain, and I like to to do experimental cooking. I like to try and and find recipes that I have an aunt back in the old country still who's ninety eight years old and. And this lady, she can cook, man. And I made it my never. She had never had any kids, so I made it my 
duty to write down all of these recipes and and try and save them. And I and I and I and I and I cook with them too. I have a notebook that is full of family recipes. I mean, I can cook anything from eel, which I just made a few weeks ago, to pig's trotters, which it's all great. And and you can attest to that. I mean, you've seen the the prosciutto hams that I had hanging in my garage and oh yeah. And all that is passed down. It's part of my culture and it's something that I really really love to do and I love to talk about it and I love to entertain and and uh, it's it's just fun food is fun and it is a guilty pleasure really I, I consider it that I I've met people who say they really get no enjoyment out of food they just eat because they have to and to me that's that's sad uh, you know even the worst pizza is better than no pizza at all the way I, the way I see it you can find some enjoyment and hopefully in, in anything that you that you sit down to eat. I've got a Mama Celeste frozen pizza in my freezer, you know. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, I'll eat it. It's it's delicious. It's not a slice of New York City pizza, but it's it's its own thing. Well, I was one of those people as a child who wasn't into I didn't like I, I mean I liked some sort of food. And I have a feeling a lot of it had to do with I had allergies like crazy as a little kid, you know, hay fe- you know, you know, hay fever and, and stuff like that, pollen and dogs and cats. But also and I don't remember this because I was very it, this was like, you know, two, two to three years old, maybe, you know, one to three years old. I was allergic to chocolate, to strawberries, to milk mildly. Basically to the 21st century, it to, like. to delicious things, yeah. So there were a lot of things that I didn't eat at first, that and and I grew out I grew out of those allergies really young, like food allergies. I'm like recently though, I think I'm developing sort of an allergy to some of the the seedy nuts, like sunflower seeds, will make my lips puff up a little bit. Ooh. Somewhere, yeah. It's it's strange. Make my face a little itchy. But I think That's right. a, sunflower seeds are a pain in the ass to eat anyway. So I, I, I think as a kid, you know, I just I did I, I couldn't eat much and and I'm gonna be kinda rude here. My mom wasn't much of a cook. <laughs> <laughs> my grandmother on my mother's side was uh, a really good cook. Uh, she had like five or six specialties, you know, that that she did that were wonder her lasagna was wonderful. Um my mom never really, you know, my parents were sort of, when I was a little kid, they were in that, like, sort of post-hippie stage of, like, you know, having having your own garden. We had a wood stove in our kitchen wow. as our cook stove and our heat source in our house. So they were sort of doing a little of the back-to-the-nature back thing, and I remember my mother reading a book, getting recipe books and reading about how to make a chicken, you know, a good chicken stock, you know, where you bake the bones and then you boil the bones and man, she cannot make a chicken stock to save her life. Her chicken stock, her chicken soup was the blandest, blandest chicken soup. I don't understand it now, now that I actually make chicken stock. So I never really, you know, I like when I was a little kid, I liked all the like stuff that little kids like fat, you know, McDonald's was a bit, you know, pizza hut, you know, stuff like that was, you know, uh, I, you know, my favorite food as a kid was lasagna because of my grandmother. And my mother made a pretty good lasagna, too. 
but um just never was that interested in like you know through college it was just sort of eating you know crappy sandwiches or a cheeseburger or something at the dining hall and stuff like that and it wasn't till after i got out of college when something I, changed and something changed something changed is i i i needed a job really bad so i was hitting the pavement and i uh was going to this one it's an old factory that's a uh, printing factory that's been made into this funky sort of mall and it had like a a little little diner in there and I went there to apply for a job and I noticed it was a Mexican restaurant and I said ah you know while I'm here might as well just apply at the Mexican restaurant and uh, the place was in was a mess when I, it was just in disarray when I went in there but I filled out my application because I was just filling out applications everywhere frankly and uh, the next day, I got a phone call from them, and they're like, the dishwasher just quit. Do you want to come in today? And I said, sure do. And uh, I came in, and you know, I was broke and hungry, and and the, the son of the boss was just like, yeah, here, you know, you get a free meal, so, you know, make yourself a, a burrito. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. He's like, I'll make you a, a burrito. And he made me this giant burrito with enchilada sauce on top of it and, and cheese and then, you know, melted on top of it and it was uh, it was delicious and i was starving wet. and i and i went in the the break room which was basically a closet with a refrigerator in it and a chair and i sat there and i ate that thing and uh you I, you were probably like a python eating a gazelle exactly. maybe a hinged jaw i just, I just unhinged my jaw it. tilted my head back and just let it let it slide down into my throat and uh, uh as as I, I started working there as a dishwasher, and you know after after a while of being a dishwasher, you would get moved up to prep cook. And I start and the boss of the place was uh, um, just my favorite boss of all time, Jesus Manuel Duarte, and he was from the Texas border. He grew up on the Texas border with his mom, uh, Maria, who ran her own little restaurant all by herself. She was one of those little teeny tiny Mexican woman women, and he was a big, big fat, Pancho Villa looking guy with the mustache, suspenders, and his mom was you know like Yoda, and uh, basically this little tiny Mexican woman. Every three or four years, she would come to visit him, you know, 90 years old or so, in the restaurant, kick everybody out of the kitchen, and run the kitchen for a day. Um, and you know, make make everybody all sorts of incredible food that we'd never had before. But uh, he sort of took me under it when I became a prep cook. Um, he sort of passed, and he's and he did this not because he was like, I like this kid. He was lazy. He was he was a lazy guy. <laughs> well, I gotta I gotta intervene here, and I gotta say this is the guy that taught you how to make the beans, right? Yes, the this- beans are still talked about in the alley to this day. It's the simplest recipe in the world, too. And an incredible recipe. We still, and when when you were making them, everyone was looking at you going, there's, there's no way that these things are gonna be any good. I mean, there's just no way, you know, what, what I, we just, we couldn't figure it out. We were watching you sheepishly, you know. I was, and- I was thinking this the other day, next time I come up, you can get Mark or somebody or just get get somebody 
have them watch me. He Never did. take Mark, their eyes and, off and, me because they were they kept leaving me alone last time, and I'm like, I could be could putting any number of spices in these beans. Mark is the one who is obsessed with that, and we we actually you know we kept those beans, and and we put them in aluminum trays and we froze them. And just just a couple of days ago, I took one of them over to San Francisco to uh, to my to, to my father's, who is Mexican from Texas. He uh, he went ahead and defrosted them and he ate them, and man, he would not stop talking about it. He was saying this is incredible, and I told him how simple they were to make and how and he couldn't even believe it. But we saw you do it and. And we can't wait to try it again. I don't know if we're going to get it right, but man, it's whoever, I, you know, whatever he taught you. That... Got to tell you, it's hard. And the great thing about it is it's hard to get wrong. And I think that was sort of why oh. I, I'm glad I started. And he he was, a, a you know, he was taught by his mother. But as an adult, he took a bunch of courses at the local college on French cooking. So he was he was really good at, at French cooking and sauces and stuff like that. So he um, put a lot of that into the recipes. A little bit of fusion action going on. Before before yeah before it was cool and it wasn't something that he would that he was advertise. He wasn't saying like we had one special called the Mexican flag special, and it was it was three enchiladas, um, a beef enchilada with red sauce. Uh, a chicken enchilada with white sauce, a, a white cream sauce on it, and uh, a pork enchilada with right. uh, a, a green, uh, you know, you see, a green sauce on top of it. That's porn. That's porn. I yeah. actually think that I may very well be hard right now. The just white sauce. And, and oh. If we want to get really porny, the white sauce to that, that was one of the first things he taught me. To cook and and to start it off, you had to make a mirepoix, and I remember him being in the kitchen and going, "Okay, this is the most important step to the white sauces. It's it's actually French. It's, we're making a mirepoix." And he explained to me how we were we would first cook a bunch of celery and carrots and butter, and then we would save that but you know we would cook them till they were soft, real slow. Save the butter, and then we would. Um, Cook, you know, you would brown flour in it, and he was explaining go. the, the, you know, the process of the, the, the flour was toasting in the butter, and how it would work to, to, can, you know, hold the sauce together and stuff, and, and he first taught me to make sauces and soups, which, I, started doing, and then you know, it wasn't even like, I was like, oh, my soups are delicious. It was when I was getting feedback from customers. You know, when all of a sudden I was the soup guy at the restaurant because the boss was like, the customers are going nuts for your soup. You know, we're selling a, we're selling out of your soup at, at lunch. Keep making it. And I was like, ooh, you know, a little bit of encouragement. And then I started really getting into it, you know, tasting everything. And and he was a person I mean, that, that made me curious and interested in food. It wasn't until I started making it that I started becoming... I'm still not a daredevil of, you know, I'm still not gonna, still not the guy who's gonna be first in line to try a deep fried cockroach or, or, or you know, um, grasshopper or something like that. And I'm not much of a seafood eater, you know, but he, he definitely made me interested in, in the process and in the, and in the philosophy of food. 
he, it was funny. It was, um, the dynamic at that restaurant was you had, um, the, the, you know, middle-aged Mexican owner, the head chef there was my age and was this, he looked like the Fonz actually. <laughs> really? And he was this little guy who was a, he was a, uh, jujitsu taekwondo master and, um, he had married, he started out, there, there were two restaurants, one run by the wife, one run by my the husband who was my boss. And he had started as a dishwasher in the other restaurant and had ended up falling in love with and marrying um, the, the boss's um, sister-in-law. So he was, he was, he was a brother-in-law of the, the or, or his, he had, yeah, he had married his boss's sister-in-law. So he was, the boss was his brother-in-law and, uh, he, he was a really funny guy and he would, but he, he was also a very philosophical per, you know, he really ran his life by his philosophy and his number one philosophy in restaurant business was food is love. You know, you make food for people that, that you love and, you know, and when, when you're doing it that, when you're doing it that way, people respond to that food. It was sort of you know, and predating I, and like water believer. for chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I'm a firm believer in that. I think that if you if you cook oh, yeah. with feeling, you know. What I mean, life. We've all had we've all ate we've all had shit. And I, one of my favorite things to tell people is like if they're eating something and you know, they'll ask me, "You want some of this?" I go, well, "You know what? There's no love in that, man. If I'm yeah. gonna have a piece of bread, I'm gonna have a piece of fucking bread. I'm not gonna have something that that." I, you know, I want something that, that was made, you know, with love. I mean, there's a time and a place for, for everything, but, but you can tell when someone puts, you know, their heart into what they make, you know, and, and there's no, there's no going around it. Mm -hmm. And themselves, they're putting themselves into it too. So, Absolutely. So that, you know, they don't want to put no crap out there, you know, they don't want to present no crap. Oh no. I mean, watching you make the beans and then, you know, watching you roll out the tortillas you can tell that that I'm in my glory in those, in those times. Yeah, <laughs> not just because I'm making food, but I'm the guy. I can't sit down and just hang out. I can, but I'd rather have a project. I love having a project, especially if it's something like I'm feeding everybody. You know, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've seen it. I mean, you you were, were, the, you were working you're, on smoking the, same the ribs. Thing. Yeah, yeah, you were working on smoking the ribs, and I was working on smoking the brisket. You know, it's an all-day process that that. You, you have to you have to keep up with it. You can't just sit down there and let it do its no. thing. You gotta check it, you gotta poke it, you gotta taste it, you gotta you gotta put the time and the effort and sometimes and that like the alley dinner that we had, that was basically, you know, a ten hour mm -hmm. cooking uh, experience. You but, had to be up early and 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 the result paid off. Everything was terrific. And 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 you know this is this is something that people it, it, it isn't as appreciated as much these days and hopefully it's it'll be coming back but like when we're there and uh, okay and let me let me describe this alley where we're cooking at at, at his place it's it's down in in queens so at, in queens isn't queens like the most densely populated part of new york city so there's also i'd probably say it's the most ethnic it's the most it, it is also the my, well. most diverse part of new york city too it's it's argue, i i actually read a sentence in somebody saying queens was arguably the most diverse place in the world 
as far as ethnicities. So, oh yeah, I believe. When you're out there cooking, there's just a, a stream of people rolling through, and um, you know, there's there's people that are living around where we're cooking, and there's people who are temporary li living around there. So there's like, <laughs> it sounds awful to call them transitive, tra no, transitive, they are. transients, Absolutely. but they are they're transients. But they're, you know, they're, they're not like hobo transients. <laughs> yeah. So, they're, not, they're not bottle of ripple, climbing in a bush transients. And when the food comes out, whoever happens to be walking by is eaten if they want to, you know? And you get this whole social dynamic that's, that's wonderful of the sharing of food that's, you know, I mean, so many, I, I, I work at a, um, a barbecue place. And just people's eating habits are weird. I was yeah. watching the other day, and it was in the 20s here. It was it was kind of bitter cold outside, and it wasn't a busy day. It, it, you know, sometimes our dining our dining room's really tiny. We're mostly a takeout sort of places, the tradition of of, of rib places. But we we got tables and booths and stuff, and uh, you know, there a couple of them had people in them. But there were three three cars in our parking lot with people just sitting in their cars eating their food. They got their food, they went out to their car. One person had their tablet set up on their dashboard so they could watch TV. And they just sat in their car and ate their food. I wonder if it's just a habit born from eating at Wendy's and McDonald's. We, we knew a girl that we used to call the sniffer because whenever she would pick up a fork full of food, before she put it in her mouth, she would smell it. <laughs> And it drove us all crazy. <laughs> and she would just pick it up and then eat it. A little more. And eat it. And finally, after watching her do this for about five months, we just we, we called her out on it. And she had no idea that, that she did this. You know? I mean, people have all kinds of rituals when they eat. And they are strange ones. I wonder what happened to the sniffer. She just disappeared one day. She's probably still sniffing. Probably still sniffing, yeah, yeah. Definitely, she might have been a bloodhound in her past life, but yeah. man, she might have had better better sensory apparatus in her nose, or yeah. she might have had some obstruction between her mouth and her nose, so the sniffing was a way of getting the you know getting the flavor. Maybe she was just an alien and she tried to eat through her nose, couldn't R get that part. Right. right. Well, her know? nose was the analysis part, so she just <laughs> sniffed the fumes up there to put them through the analysis computer. Absolutely. And, I mean. Yeah, but it's just ever since I've learned to cook, there? I've just—it's been—I—I I can't tell you how wonderful it is to eat now. I've—you know—once I learned, and it—and it is a skill you can learn, and it's—and it's something that you know when when I, absolutely. If you can read a book, I think that that you can. If you if you have to want to. You, you have to want well, to. And, and you, and some you really... people read books and they read books and they're like, you know, like they're in high school and you get an assignment to read a book and they don't enjoy it and then they don't enjoy it. But they get that one book that they chose or they didn't expect and all of a sudden they understand after that, you know, it it it, it pushes out those buttons and, and blows their mind and they go, oh, okay, this is what people were talking about. And the, the, the yeah, same either you love it, you love it or you don't. To me it's a challenge to find a recipe and try and and make it, you know. There's no better way for me to and then uh, what a lot, a lot of people I've lost and you mentioned it uh, in the alley is like the social aspect of eating, you know? I mean, 
when you get a bunch of people together and hell half of us didn't even know each other but but it didn't matter you know food 20 people 25 people eating together you, you're going to you're going to have to have a conversation you're going to have to to cut up and talk and and a lot of that's lost you know i mean if you, if you watch people eat now they're they're on their tablets or they're on their phones and the social aspect is what is what i love about it as well yeah um, i mean basically what most people um consider like christmas and thanksgiving the way people eat in christmas and thanksgiving that used to be how people ate all the time <laughs> yeah get the whole family together and you know it was this this communal thing so it's it's almost like everybody almost even if they don't like food they just soothe like christmas and thanksgiving they still have that aspect in their life but I'm telling you that's that's what we're telling you here it could be christmas and thanksgiving every day once you once you get into that mode be. a trip to mcdonald's could be christmas or thanksgiving <laughs> oh i mean McDonald's out in California, they, they have garlic fries, and I'm dying to try them. They don't have them anywhere else. They have Gilroy garlic fries, and I'm going, you know what? I, I'm I'm going to try them next time I'm out there because I have to. No, I, I have to. I can't remember if it's Wendy's or Arby's, but there's I think it's Wendy's. I think there's select Wendy's where they're making venison burgers. Wow. From local local hunters. <laughs> So it's it's local meat. So that that that's something I, I I'm I've been checking them out, hoping that we'll get one here because we got plenty of deer around here. <laughs> uh, hopefully hopefully our our Wendy's will get uh, stocked up. I lo- love me some venison. Well, we've got cats and raccoons around here, so those are my apocalypse eating plans. <laughs> cats, raccoons, and squirrels. <laughs> then, no then, then, and then when they're gone, the bugs. There's no pigeons around anymore. <laughs> that was a depression. That's when the squirrel population went way down oh, in the United States. <laughs> yeah, in in Italy during the World War II, all of the pigeons disappeared because <laughs> people <laughs> were starving. In my those... belly, yeah. Squab, squab was was eaten every night. You know. Oh, uh, all right. I think this is a. I think we've uh, got our introduction. That was the food section of Eat It and Beat It. Now, ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourself for the transition to the Beat It part of Eat It and Beat It. We'll see you next time. Hola, suckeros! Moria Clawhammer here. Thanks to a tax loophole and a life insurance policy, I have an authentic Mexican taco stand. The explosive taqueria! Well... If you want a pound of burrito, or just get your tongue on a taco, well get off your ass, take a waco. Come throw some meat down your throat. If you want some food, here's a thingo. You don't want to eat like a gringo. Have some Mexican grub with some zingo. Taco sauce that explodes in your mouth. At the Explosive Taqueria in South DeManzaville, we have every kind of goddamn Mexican food you crave. We got chimichangas, ensalada, churros, chupacarnes, deep-fried jalapeno pooper, churritos, the famous taco shake. Taco shake discontinued. Triple refried baked beans, choritos, chimichibas, chimichochas, the Commodore's nachos, and the ever-popular endless burrito bowl. All prepared by our authentic Mexican cook, Manuel. My name is David. I'm from Bolivia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the ladies... 
We have the Tila Tequila, a tiny taco, but you'll be amazed how much beef and cheese we can stuff in there. For the Daredevil, we have the El Pollo Croco, a full chicken stuffed with four soft shell tacos, two beef burritos, and two sides of your choice, deep fried and slathered in taco sass. The taco sauce with sass. So lock down your sphincter and come on down. The Explosive Taqueria, 312 Elm Street, South de Monzaville. Tell them Maury Clawhammer sent you. Arriva Dirty. All right, welcome to Beat It, the 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 porn section of the podcast. And uh, here's a here's a big shout out to the people who just fast forwarded past the food part and came right to us to start out with. I know that you're out there, you sick sick perverted people. I am Grant Lansdale. That's my poor name, and I'm here with Johnny Pants Down. Welcome. Welcome, all you pervs. And and like the food section that you guys just glossed over and skipped, we are going to talk about... Um, well, you know, the, the, this section we're, is going to be the porn section. We will be talking about anything or, any, anything or anybody that you can associate with pornography. And... You know, let's be honest. Now, nowadays, back in the back in back in our days, <laughs> porn might have been something oh, yeah. that was uh, almost exclusively a male phenomena. But now that the internets are out there and porn is readily available, it is. I, I, from, I don't know what age. I I want to say probably about ten years old, but it's probably younger on nowadays. I don't think there's anybody who is just normally using a computer who is who, who would not have been exposed to pornography. And uh, oh, absolutely. And and it has always been there since the dawn of time. I mean, if you look back at the first time civilization, yeah, the first the first recordings people made. Some of the some of the first one were were dirty limericks. You go back to the first photography there was some hussy showing her ankles you know which was considered very very risque back in the day i mean and we mentioned the caveman spray painting (laughs) paintings on walls it has always been there it's always going to be there it's always going to be a part of printing press life love (laughs) it hate it yeah love it hate it yeah exactly love it hate it it's not going anywhere i mean the some of the illustrations from some of the earliest religious texts. They had Adam and Eve, you know, two naked people running around in the goddamn bushes. I mean, that's yeah. Well, just, it's just a, a, in school they always tell you always about been the, there. the printing press and the Gutenberg Bible, but they don't mention that the Gutenberg Bible was not what was <laughs> making those uh, printers wealthy. It was the porn. As soon as no, that some guy was press... putting some guy was putting his penis on there, he was he was fucking the printing press. He was putting his penis and and, and turning that handle. You the know, second and it got if fired it was up, there, a guy yep. would do it. Yep. So, <laughs> so that's what we're here. We're we're here to take some of the stigma off it. We are gonna try to we're gonna try to poke into every crevice and corner that we can over the course of it. Obviously. Don't expect a scholarly, you know, this isn't a long-form show. We aren't going, it's not going to be a scholarly um, 
examination of the cultural phenomenon. Although it might hit that sometimes. It could. It could. <laughs> I, Why I, not? I, I hope to. I hope to um, travel within the the course of seconds <laughs> from the heights of classiness to the depths of depravity. And so, we've all been there. So that's our. <laughs> yes, we have. Whether you want to admit it or not. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many times today have any of you thought dirty thoughts? The I scientists mean, have actually quant. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's probably hundreds of times. Absolutely, <laughs> already. Absolutely. I and mean, now, and now a few today, more times. <laughs> on the bus ride today, coming home from the city. Oh my God! I had every everybody. Every it's just it's it's there. Yeah, it's all you think about. We're gonna take the stigma out of it. We're going to to make that that leap and that connection between the two loves that everyone has. Yes. And I mean, let's 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 face it. It's time someone did, and there's no one better than us. <laughs> That's true. So the, the only one I would would rather have doing this this personally would be like Al Goldstein, editor of <laughs> Screw Magazine. Oh, that, what a, what, I would what a great. I would listen to his porn podcast all day all night but al goldstein halfway through would be like bitching about chinese restaurants or something which actually would be would be fine (laughs) it's fine and there probably there probably will be an upcoming show about the titans of industry oh yes of porn absolutely um so we're gonna start out like the last time I'm going to go first this time with our with our i guess origin stories our pornogen stories porn origin stories um unlike food <laughs> i developed I, I i developed a taste for the the porn a lot earlier because um um well i have another podcast and 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 and, and you also have another interest just like me which is going out to garage sales and antiquing and finding finding you know old stuff and 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 stuff like that and that was that was something i picked up from my dad and um of course when when you have that hobby and you're married like you are my dad you sort of have to find a place to 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 keep all that stuff that that doesn't (laughs) destroy the The other harmony of the the household so so they usually call those well we called it in our house the junk room and the junk room was at the top of the stairs of this old farmhouse that we lived in. And it had a, uh, just, you know, like a, a little eye hook to, to lock it up over the door handle that was above my sister's and my height. But I could, uh, all I had to do was hop up onto the banister of, of the railing and I could open up the door to the junk room. And, you know, my parents would be like on the weekend, my parents would sleep in and my sister and I would wake up at six in the morning. I'd, I'd pop open the junk room and go in and look at all the like junk that my dad had found. And of course, in the back corner of the junk room was a pile of, of uh, penthouse magazines. And I was like, Hey, what are these? And I would just sit, sit down and read (laughs) them cover to cover. And, and, and I'm talking five years old, six years old, something like that. I started reading it four. So like five or six years old, I was reading novels, so I could read Penthouse magazine. 
Oh, the Penthouse Forum, incredibly. Penthouse Forum, I could somewhat understand. You know, there were political articles and stuff in there, but I'm not even going to try to read those as a kid. But, you know... Yeah, fuck and, that. Where's the proofs? And, and Penthouse was sort of the, the, the dirtier, younger brother of Playboy. It was sort of a clone of yeah. Playboy. But you're talking Bob Guccione, you're talking the Italians got a hold of it. So it's like more lurid, more skin. And um, just like Playboy, it, w- it was sort of structured like Playboy. You'd have letters in the front and pictures in the middle. And in the back, you would have co- comics and cartoons, which, of course, at six years old, that, that was the first place I went. And, uh, and it had um, Oh Wicked Wanda comics in the back of it and i remember reading those as a kid and as a six-year-old kid getting my first taste of basically s&m and lesbians because it was a it was sort of a rip on uh little annie fanny i think it was the same same artist and i i want to say it's will elder was the was the uh-huh. artist? Uh, he was a, he was a comics artist, but he would do these gorgeous cheesecakey things, and he did Little Annie Fanny for Playboy and and Oh Wicked Wanda for. But Oh Wicked Wanda was you know she was in leather and she had a whip and and she had like her blonde lesbian girlfriend and they would have adventures that were parodies of movies or or stuff like that. And I just remember trying to God, figure out this... what the hell was going. <laughs> Best on dad. Ever, I liked it, I but I didn't know what the hell was going on, and you know, and um, I I remember I I remember my parents had caught I don't know if they ever knew that I was reading the penthouses in the in the um, junk room, but from that point on I always knew, as almost every kid did, that my dad had a stash somewhere. And then after that, it was sort of a neighborhood kids' pool sort of thing where you would. You'd grab one from dad's oh, yeah. stash or an older brother's stash, and we would all take them and put them in a plastic garbage bag and keep them under this giant rock <laughs> in a field across from <laughs> my house. And we'd all go and, and you know, sit on this rock and, and, and read these porno magazines. And, like, I, I always remember the, the most hilarious, you know, a bunch of 10 to 12-year-old kids reading the, the letters sections and some of the pros, I, I'll always remember my friend Will Howard looking up from one and he's going, listen to this, guys. It, it was a, you know, farmer's daughter. But, you know, the, the guy, as I plowed her fuck trench, <laughs> she screamed, <laughs> you know, squealed in ecstasy as I plowed her fuck trench. And for some reason, that that phrase kept us laughing for about six months after that. I had... <laughs> And, oh, uh, you know, um, uh, my friend Scott Gardner, we lived, he lived down the street from a paper mill and we would get porn, just like pages from porn magazines, rolling down the street, boxes from <laughs> movie, you know, boxes that held the su- super eight movies in them would be, would be flying around. So you get it's some like of those the biggest, dirtiest Easter egg hunt ever. Yeah. I mean, they're, 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 they're 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 colored like candy, you know, especially those old movie ones. They're they're just like so so luridly colored, you know, the Swedish erotica and stuff like that. And of course, they're way more graphic than you know Penthouse or Playboy ever was. And uh, yeah, those were you know and guarded 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 treasures. And um, 
And I remember my first porn movie was Private School Girls, and that was one that our, in high school my friends and I rescued out of a uh, um, video rental return box. It had, it, had, it, had not, it had not slid down, and we went to return movies and late at night and came out with like, hey, look at this. And there's like this like bright pink, you Store. know, VHS in there. And that Somewhere became... in upstate New York, someone's still being charged a late fee for that damn tape. That and that tape made, it, made its rounds, you know, at, oh. at parties, you know. One kid would be like, can I borrow that? And then it would be gone for a week, and then you'd be at a party and it'd be playing. It's like, oh, there's where private school girls went. <laughs> and I remember my we. I had a I had a quote unquote party at my house. I had like five of my friend nerd friends over when my father was gone, but it was a sanctioned sanctioned uh, party because we were super nerds and whatever. They didn't think we were going to be up to anything. My si- at the same time our high school had their Super Bowl. My sister decided to go to the Super Bowl for our high, high school football team and announced there was a party at our house first people that showed up were all the the, the foreign exchange students all the oh. for, who were all girls from Japan one was from China one was from Indonesia from very you know where where the female you know most of them I think and 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 one of them was from um, South Korea I think most of them came from like segregated schools you know on on set and they, they sat down on the couch what does my sister do Pop in the porno movie. <laughs> you could have made your own porn. I remember sitting down and going, "So, what do you guys think of this?" And the girl from Indonesia, Rati Srihadi, looks at me and she goes, "This, wow. this is legal." <laughs> <laughs> and I go, "Yes, technically, Fair. I don't think we're supposed to watch it, but we can't get, we're not going to get arrested for watching." <laughs> She's like, "She would wow. got cane. No caning here." <laughs> so that was that was that was very interesting and yeah so i i would imagine my, my origin story is fairly common a lot of aspects of it are i mean let's face it you and i are two strikingly handsome gentlemen That's true there there's a reason why cannot see this on youtube that we just do it audio because frankly you know most people couldn't handle well we want to keep them focused on the subject matter and not us yeah yeah i mean you know it's tough but believe it or not i was not always the hunking mass of of glamour that that sits before you right now in a little bedroom by myself hunched over while my wife is sleeping across the hall um uh, there was no chance in hell that i was ever gonna get laid i mean th- there wasn't i mean we're talking acne braces unruly hair where yeah, were i'm you? looking to get uh, <laughs> right now here no no this no, is no. Uh, <laughs> in, in, in beautiful hayward california uh if you can imagine there was no way I was going to get. It just wasn't going to happen. It wasn't in my future. And guys like me, we just, we just, we were onto the fact that it wasn't going to happen. And and my, my my origin story is a lot very similar. My my dad had a a stash, and he had a little calendar that you would tear the days off. And each day, 
had a dirty cartoon. And I still remember they were called Daily Dillies. And <laughs> and these were and this was circa probably 1974, 75. Yeah, he didn't tear them off. You know, some of them, and I remember seeing these things, and you know, I was just a kid, and I and I still remember some of the cartoons. You know, there was like a, a car that had gotten into a crash, and and the guy had gotten out of the car and into the other car, and he was screwing this lady, and the cop comes by, and then he turns to the cop and says, we decided to settle a lot of court. Now, I, I didn't know <laughs> what the fuck was going on, but I knew there were boobs, and, 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 and I liked it, you know? That's how we and, learned. This is how we learned. There wasn't... I didn't have the birds and the bees talk with my parents. There was always some kid in the neighborhood that was knowledgeable on a subject. And 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 he would take it upon himself to, to tell us all these things about, you know, the way things work. And, and we would go, what the hell? Really? I mean, I, anyone out there that's had a birds and bees story, I would love to hear if it, if it is as they say. I, I wouldn't know. I, I learned about I, I, the way things work the streets. I got, I got, as kids, <clears throat> the kid down the street told us all that you put your pee-pee in, in the woman's hoo-ha, and then you, you, you peed a little bit, and yeah. that made a baby. And then, when I got to porn, and a, uh, I, uh, yeah, porn, porn mapped it out, and then I read... I was reading adult novels, so by the time I think I was in middle school, maybe even like like on the verge of high school, before my parents went and got us the like "What is happening to me?" you know, <laughs> book out of. And I actually I picked up a copy of it too, of of the the very book that they got out of the library for my sister. And they're like, "Okay, here's some books for you guys to read." And unimaginable in my household. And I and Never. I flipped through flipped through the books and I was like, Alright, yeah, I got it. It filled in a couple fine tuned points, but I'd already you know, I'd already knew about zygotes and and all and special mommy and daddy time by then. But you know, my sister and I kinda humored my parents and said, Okay, we, we knew it was something that they were like, Okay, we have to do this, you know. We don't know how to, to do this, you know, verbally, so we'll get him the book. But by that time, we'd already figured it out. It was the 80s, and the 70s and 80s were the prime time for kids really oh. having the chance to... Well, kids always have the chance to figure it all out by themselves, but kids were yeah, really... I mean Kids were really like little adults in the 70s, especially in the 70s, but in the 70s, it 80s. My, my neighborhood wasn't quite like yours where it was apparently raining porn. You know, you had porn storms where fronts of porn would come in and fall from the sky. It was a little harder to get around my neck of the woods. And and it was a rite of passage that the older kids would slow down from their driving. And after they had finished looking at the magazine, would roll down their window and just throw it out the window. And and like hyenas, we would appear and and. You could you hit the nail on the head when you said they were very colorful. You could you could see a dirty magazine in the street a mile away, mm -hmm. and then it would be chariots of fire running to try to get your hands on it. And classic names of magazines like Salt and Pepper, and and Easy Rider, a magazine so 
filthy that I could probably take pictures of my grandmother in her electric wheelchair with her Kilroy was here tattoo well, on that's it. A, and that's it the thing is, it wasn't strictly it, it wasn't strictly X-rated. No, but it if you had, had a gritty and a camera. It, you could get into Easy Rider. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. No, honey, this picture is just for me. It's just for me. Trust me. No, no one else is going to see this. And you're nesting, you know, she's spread eagle on the hood of your Trans Am in a magazine. And that was that. And we had a porn bush where we, we all would go into the bush and we would have a plastic bag. And that's where it all got stored. It all stayed there. And and we had a, quite the collection, you know, and it was like a library. You could You could take it home, but you had to bring back that issue of Easy Rider with the 55 Chevy on. You had to have it back there. And I'm surprised we didn't have a card catalog, the Dewey Decimal System, because right. it was all on. It, everyone could take one if they wanted to, but you had to bring it back. Yeah, because it, it, it was so funny because it was such contraband. You know, oh, there were, really there were kids that kept it under their, their, their you know mattress and stuff like that, but yeah. it was a risky venture. The kids it was, and it wasn't like you can go into your into your newsstand now, and and you could see these magazines wrapped. Not that anyone, I don't know who the hell buys them anymore, but you could see them wrapped up, you know, in plastic. Uh, but but back then, you had to go to a head shop or something, and and you didn't you didn't see them, or they got mailed to you, and they got mailed to you in a plastic in a brown paper envelopes that you know your mailman would go <laughs> i know what you'll get here you know yeah. roll it up put it in there and and so it, people didn't discard them they they kept them and that's how these porn collections come because you couldn't just throw it in the garbage because if you threw it in the garbage your garbage man would say oh shit look at this guy you know yeah. so so people kept them and that's why you come across stashes of these in in uh in flea markets and because you couldn't get rid of them where are you gonna they kept them because they also grew very attached to them (laughs) absolutely i mean those uh, i i mean i'm sure if you took the first porn magazines that i ever had in my stash and put them in front of me now and i started flipping through them the the page layout the pictorials i would be like i remember her oh my god i remember every detail about her you know absolutely my my dad had a, a stash of playboys too and and uh, you had to be careful when you put them back. Not that I don't even know if you would notice, but you put them back the way he had them. And he also had. Uh, we've talked before about the um, the dirty novels, paperbacks from the seventies, you know. And and his was Jill likes it hot, who was about this naughty nurse named Nurse Cummings. That was her name. Who didn't really do a lot of nursing unless you really call blowjobs. You know, nursing. She did a lot but of coming, though. She did a lot of coming, hence the name. You know, uh, she, purple. You know, her, I learned terms like like sex syrup, purple-headed warrior, and and I still have Jill likes it hot. I did take that from my dad, and later on in life, it became kind of a joke. We still talk about Jill likes it hot, and it's around here somewhere. Uh, those books. Those books, the 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 word the the terms that people had to come up with, you know, to fill oh. when the, you know because they were churning them out, you know. Oh, you and, had to. And and to. I mean, there's only so many words that that beautifully describe the sexual act, and after you've exhausted those, you get into stuff like baby batter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She spread her legs to reveal her her meat hangers. Yes, I yes. mean, <laughs> and you could you could always picture the guy. 
and it was probably wrong. You know, you get the picture of the guy who was writing these books living, you know, in some dirty little little hovel somewhere. But it might have not been the case. I mean, I'm sure there were people like that. that wrote, I always that pictured a chain-smoking fat guy <laughs> in a white T-shirt that's dirty that doesn't cover his gut. He's living well, alone. Well, basically, and you when, just and described if he drew a pic- <laughs> If he drew a picture of himself, though, he would look like Hugh Hefner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, my 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 profile online looks nothing like. Uh, it's just too beautiful to be put on to be captured correctly. So I just use somebody else's. But <laughs> yeah, it it really it really must. You know, I I can say. Would you call this the golden age of porn? That we are living in the golden because I, as a rule, I believe that I miss the golden age of radio, I miss the golden age of TV. I don't I would know like about that. I don't. I think we might I, be in the golden age of TV too. Yeah, may, yeah, I, I, yeah, we're, yeah, TV's great. That's, that's a whole different wrong, conversation, and I'll. That's <laughs> a whole different conversation. But is is this or is did we miss the golden age of porn? Was that was porn the golden age when it was in the printed form? I mean, when Playboy stopped stopped showing naked ladies and now went the way of Maxim magazine like they have, I mean, are we living in the golden age now where you can get your hands on it for free? Well, I yeah, I guess I guess it is. It takes it it takes some of some some of the stigma has been erased from it. I think like if you get gonna get into a real true golden age of porn, the stigma's gotta go. You know, it's and in the seventies there was that that time period where the stigma was getting erased a little bit. You know, people couple normal suburban couples were going to the movie their local movie theater, which would be showing um, Deep Throat, not not yeah. the sleazy theater or the drive-in that usually shows porn but your your regular mom and pop theater was experimenting with hey you know and and adults would come and be like oh honey let's go and enhance our you know sex life or let's experiment with the (laughs) let's get a little uh a little crazy here and that was sort of going on in the 70s in the 60s the sexual revolution and stuff but it was still i mean we're still a puritan society but now, yeah. you know, there's a lot of talk about how, you know, of course, there's always the talk of how porn is horrible. And now that, you know, kids can get exposed to it at an early age, um, that's 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 true. And, and, and the, the, th- the thing about porn that's different these days is that the, to you as a kid, as uh, in our days, you would get your hands on naked porn and maybe some you know if you're really lucky you'd get the hardcore magazines where you'd see penetration and stuff you could see some sadistic shit (laughs) on it's all out there you could see some really violent and sadistic stuff which is funny because people are you know there's a lot of argument about that whether it's degrading to women and a lot of times but you know sometimes someday we'll we'll also get into women's sexual fantasies and a lot of that ugly degrading sex is like almost from <laughs> lifted script wise from you know female sexual fantasy but in in terms of like if you want porn nowadays and maybe the porn magazine has gone the way of the dinosaur or is going the way of the dinosaur but now with tablets 
you can still go get dirty pictures or you could go to a blog blog that writes erotic fiction and stuff yeah. to read to to read it, you know, and stuff like that. And as far as movies go, <laughs> it's you know it's a gigundous industry. I I think porn will never reach a true golden age until that that stigma is taken off it and and we get rid of our sort of Puritan look at it because. like the porn industry now you know you have all different kinds of people making porn but there's still that aspect of the mafia involved in it and uh, taking advantage of of women who are down on their luck and stuff like that and if you get rid of the stigma of it then you could treat it like a real business and you won't have that aspect of it as much you know what I mean a lot of a lot of the the horrible stuff that happens in porn and the the mistreating of of people in it has to do with society's ashamed with it so it's pushed into this dark corner so you end up with some dark people involved in it yeah um but as far as access goes yes it's never been you know i can find a video of if i whatever kind of scenario I dream up in my head. There's a a video for it. You can find it. If I want to see a classic porn from the past, I can go and uh, watch, you know, Marilyn Chambers. I can watch Behind the Green Door streaming, too. So it's kind of all there. There's there's streaming the old, you know, from the 20s, the old porn loops and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's accessible. And it's also becoming something that you know now there's plenty of um you know i mean guys would find their porn stash through their dad and stuff but now there's teenage girls have their computer and they find porn you know oh yeah and that and you know i i've noticed younger people are just much like younger younger women are much less shy about being like oh my god did you see the you know, blah 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 i saw this i saw a porno where this happened it was disgusting or this happened it was crazy you know and dis- discussing it like you would hear rooms full of guys saying stuff so that's i th- i look at that as a positive yeah Anything there that is they, that women watch that 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 makes them feel like sexy time we're all for that there it's i mean i mean there is a i think that that the the thrill of the hunt is is gone to to find this stuff like like we had well not you know you, you it was all over the place apparently the, the the streets were paved with porn but for you but but you know when when you had it it was <laughs> in America was, where the streets are paved with the porn the streets are paved with porn go to upstate New I York love this son. country you want boobs on paper upstate New York is where you have to be. <laughs> There it rains, porn. There's porn washed in the gutter. People wipe their ass with porn. But but it was hard to get. I mean, when I say it really was hard to get. And and the magazines were so, I mean, we would, they were rain-soaked. And, but when you found them, it was just part of of, of growing up. You know, it's part of, of growing up. Is that we, you know, it, it we all did it. And, and. And it was there, and you know now it's just easy. It's a click away, but I think that that there still is the aspect of some forbidden fruit when you, when you when you look at it, you're going, oh god, man, I'm gonna just pull my window shades here if anyone sees me, 
looking looking at this, you know, and it's just uh, yeah, that you know that aspect I think is going to be there and 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 probably isn't going to go away anytime soon. I don't think it. It still seems in our society in general, sex is still considered bad or a vice. You know what I mean? The the way it's talked about and stuff, it's still talked about as a guilty pleasure or a vice that you're not supposed to be doing or. I think our culture enjoys that. I think we enjoy having it be a little illicit, you know, the the illicit yeah. aspect of it and, and forbidden fruit aspect of it. Exactly. I mean, like, and going back to the food portion, gluttony is, you know, being a glutton is, you know, one of the it, biblical times. You, you couldn't do that, you know, and basically it just made people want to be more of a glutton and anything right. that's forbidden right. you just want you want to do it you right. know the, the 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 forbidden fruit makes you 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 want to eat it all the more and when you do eat it you go crazy on it you yeah know? exactly you i mean i am a, i the sloth hey man that's me i mean come on anything that that was forbidden it makes people more interested in it and and we had mentioned earlier you know pornography or dirty cartoons or limericks go back to to the, the first time of, of the printing press. To, to the, we don't see, I mean, the Romans and the Greeks, they had altars to phalluses in their homes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was all part, much, I think it was much more accepted in ancient yes. times. And, you know, I, having studied art history, I've seen it. I mean, you can go back to any of the ancient Greeks, the, the Mycenaean Greeks, yeah, my it was, it was my, depicted everywhere. My parents had the joy of sex, and I remember that be, pulling that down off the bookshelf, off way up at the top, you know, highest bookshelf that we were supposed <laughs> to get out. With. And you know, it had the had the sort of feathery hippie drawings of the couples having making love. They were very yeah. making love drawings, but they were fairly explicit. But then you got into the back with the porn of the past. You know, and and I remember getting into the section of ancient Chinese oh, pornography, where you know you had the normal-sized people with six-foot phalluses full penetrating into a four-foot vagina. You know, <laughs> and, <laughs> it's and like, wow, hey. we'll be getting into that on future shows. Yes, Chinese we will. Food and and look for tentacle porn on a future podcast because it's coming, folks. It's coming. And if you don't know what, and if you don't know what tentacle porn is. Well, Google it. <laughs> you don't even have to Google it. Just just keep coming back to the show, and you'll know eventually. <laughs> then oh, you'll absolutely. Google it. Absolutely. <laughs> Tentacle porn. Okay. All right. So I think that's the uh, that's uh, that's about it for the first episode I, yeah, I, of Eat I It and Beat It. I need a shower. I hope everybody. Yeah, I hope everybody out there is feeling a little greasy. Uh, we're gonna be back next time, and. Uh, uh, we even know what our topics are going to be. In the food section, oh, yeah. it will be milk. And in the porn section, it will be Jugs. Jugs Magazine. That's right. Oh. The classic spelled J-U-G-G-S. We're going old school, listeners. Where the Jugs are so big, they needed two Gs. <laughs> and they needed two pages. Try, <laughs> 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 try, try. <laughs> Where the women's breasts were were separated by a yeah, fold yeah. of a yeah. magazine, <laughs> they would they would actually have to place an ad in the middle of unfolded <laughs> page. Picture continued after next page. You know, like the comic books, and yeah, 
So we're it, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Gird your loins, listeners. Yes, come, come back and insert breast joke here. Yeah. So get your get your uh, your earbuds ready because we're going to take you on a fun and wild ride down the Milky River. Of <laughs> blah blah blah. <laughs> All right. See you next time. We'll see you later. Try the salami, Tommy Give it the gravy, Davy Everybody eats when they come to my house Try a tomato plate, too Here's cacciatore, Dory Taste the bologna, Tony Everybody eats when they come to my house I fix your favorite dishes Hoping this good food fills ya Work my hands to the bone in the kitchen alone You better eat if it kills you Pass me a pancake, man, drink Having a derby, Irvy Look in the fender, Mendel Everybody eats when they come to my house If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Have you been, Lord, a friend of my son? Oh, make my bed soon, for I'm weary from hunting. Ow, ow!